We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw, we go tit for tat, we have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Runes podcast. This episode 41 of the pod, Matt. We got some uh got some topics to get to today, a little bit of football, a little bit of baseball, the uh the leaves are changing in the sports world, and we got one football game left. Then we have to ship, shift our focus elsewhere, Matt, but uh, still plenty to talk about today. Some crossover. How are you feeling? I was really excited to talk about football, and then you just told me we only have one football game left. And well, bring it. Bring it is what I'm saying. But I, like, I'm excited. I'm still going to, but like deep down now, you just made me really sad. Okay. Well, should we pack this in? Should we call it? That's going to so. do it. For that's, the probably, that's, 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 okay. prob- that's probably it, I think, right? <laughs> it was a good run. I think we've touched on it all. Well, Matt, let's uh, let's scratch your itch here then. Let's talk a little bit of Super Bowl. What do you say? Patriots and Eagles going at it on Sunday. Patriots currently four-and-a-half-point favorites. That line's moved a little bit. I think it opened up at six-and-a-half, if I'm yeah, not so, mistaken. So I think they. I was hearing earlier on one of some podcasts I was listening to that the line actually came out in like the second half of the NFC Championship game, uh, yeah, right around so. six-and-a-half, and it's kind of come down a little bit. So uh, Patriots, nonetheless, still favorited. What are your What are your thoughts going into this game? Because personally, uh, you know, I, I'm never going to bet against the Patriots, especially in the situation that they're in right now. They seem to be clicking on all cylinders again, despite a storyline that someone tried to fabricate. It's just it has an air of inevitability to it that it usually does to me. I, I'm I'm kind of with you, and while I don't know what to do with four and a half points because the Patriots, I think mm-hmm. I saw, have pretty much won every Super Bowl by like four or less points. Yeah, um, I, I would never bet against them to lose this game, and I'm just I know what I'm going to get from them. I know I'm, I'm pretty sure who's going to show up and how they're going to play. I'm I'm kind of curious to see how the other side comes out here. Which Nick Foles are we actually going to see? going to see the one who could barely move the ball against average defenses in Oakland or Atlanta, or the one that torched Minnesota. How much is not being in front of that home crowd going to affect the Eagles? It's just it, it's there's a whole bunch of factors on the other side that I, I am really interested to see and how they how they pan out. But mainly, which Nick Foles are we going to see? Yeah, I'm hoping for an interesting Super Bowl. I really think that it's been a season of ups and downs, and it usually is. You know, you have your parody and you have your storylines, but we were we were not privy to some of the league's best talent this year in terms of your Odell Beckhams and all of these other high-profile injuries that happen. So not to say that I feel cheated or slighted, but the NFL season has fallen on deaf ears a little bit this year, and I think a a final game, a, an, inter, an interesting Super Bowl would be the cleansing, I think, that everyone wants. Well, we're certainly on pace for that, it seems. Like, I know, like, it's not Carson Wentz, it is Nick Foles, but what we saw, what we saw from that Eagles team last weekend, I mean, or two weekends ago, whatever it is, I have no reason to believe they shouldn't make this a game. That defense is so good, and it looks like Nick Foles is competent enough to at least move the ball a little bit. So mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I'm not sure it's going to be a, a shootout. Like, we, we both know you like you don't really like defense. You like just seeing points. But uh, I, I think we're going to see an entertaining back-and-forth game at, at the very least. Yeah, and like you said, Patriots always do, regardless of how dominant they are during the season or how dominant the other team is, they always do find themselves in a close Super Bowl matchup. So uh, despite the fact that everyone wants to rag them and say, oh, it's Patriots versus and things are getting old, they do tend to always make it interesting in the Super Bowl. So it's going to be a lot to watch. I I personally am going to have my eyes on the play of Tom Brady, as you usually do. But aside from Tom Brady, I'm going to see where he's going with the football early in the game because it seems like Tom always, and I doubt that this is the case, but it, it tends to shake down this way. But he picks a target, and that becomes his guy for the Stats day. for the night, yeah. And then other guys are complementary pieces, and it's worked. I mean, in the AFC Championship, it was Danny Amendola, largely in part to the fact that Gronk was gone. Uh Prior to that, um, do we have you know, a Gronk update for for this weekend? By the way, he's had a. I mean, he was high fiving Tom Brady on the stage the other day, so he's still. Uh, <laughs> he could still part- very well be concussed. Gronk is participating in practice, but uh, has yet to go full contact. Has yet to be cleared from the concussion protocol. Okay, but I think all signs are pointing to him playing. But uh, I could see I could see him leaning on Gronk, and 
that Philly defense is tough and, and they're going to present some problems. I think they're going to try and pressure Brady because, as you saw in the first half of that Jacksonville game, that's the only way to beat Tom Brady is to get him off his spot, get him moving, get him to the ground. Uh, in that second half, Jacksonville laid back, only rushed four, and you saw what Tom Brady did. So I think consistent pressure is the way to beat Tom Brady, regardless of who he's picking as his guy for the day. Yeah, we, we touched on it a little bit last week, too, and I think it's going to be a, a little bit similar this uh, in, in the Super Bowl. It's, it, you said the Jaguars got a lot of pressure early on in that first half, and they did. Both of us kind of talked about their failure to adjust to, to make their second half adjustments to what the Patriots adjusted to. Basically, mm-hmm. their their move back in this big chess game. It's going to be interesting to see if the Eagles are able to adjust like the Jaguars were not able to in the second half. Because I think you're going to see the Eagles come out flying in the first half, and I think it's going to be a pretty close half, if not them on top, because of a lot of things the Jaguars are able to do. I think they're going to have a very similar impact defensively early on. But whether they can stick to their game plan and then readjust to what the Patriots adjust to in the second half something Jacksonville wasn't able to do. It's really something nobody other than the New York Giants have been able to do throughout you know this entire tenure. Yeah, you almost got to have contingency plans in place as an opposing coach to where you have to play him two plays ahead. You have to play him two moves ahead in terms of Bill Belichick. You have to think, hey, if we're up six at halftime, this is what Bill's going to do. If this is what we're doing well, this is what he's going to try and take away. You have to chess you have to chess match it rather than play checkers with Bill Belichick. You have to get out in front of his thought process to, to to be successful in that second half. I think that's the only way to do it. You a chess guy, Joe? You play chess? I went through a couple spurts, but uh, uh, no. I think I'm going to go just with a solid no there. Yeah, back I, at, uh, I don't get it. I don't, really, I don't know why I can move certain pieces to certain spots at certain times and others I can't. I just Give me checkers. I, I'll jump Ooh. you and I'll, and I'll king me when I get down there. We used to have chess Sundays at the old apartment in Chicago, myself, uh, Mike Mianza, Jack Kretzi, and chess Sundays were always, they always, it was more about the dessert that, because we'd get dessert, we'd go to Oberweiss and then play a little chess. Uh, we had a nice chess board, so I dabbled, I dabbled in, in the chess world. Did you win but we digress. We dig- no, I did not. That's chess is a sport, playing. Joe. This is a sports <laughs> podcast. That's why I stopped playing chess, because I couldn't beat him, couldn't beat anyone. Well, there you um, go. But, uh, Matt, what, what are you going to have your eyes on this Sunday, aside from the matchup between the coaches and what, what Tom Brady maybe is going to do? I want to see, I mean, we talked about, or I talked about a little bit Nick Foles and seeing which one of him shows up. But on the offensive side of the ball for Philly, too, I, I'm really curious to see how well their receivers play against this New England secondary because the New England uh-huh. secondary is, it's solid, but it's it hasn't, I don't think, achieved what they hoped it would be when they uh, signed Stephon Gilmore in the offseason. I don't think they ever got to be elite like they thought they might be with him and McCourty and Patrick Chung in that secondary. But the Eagles have some pretty good weapons on the outside. Alshon Jeffrey, obviously, we know all about. Torrey Smith has elite speed. Zach Ertz is really coming into his own as a tight end. So I'm going to be mm-hmm. pretty interested to see if those Eagles weapons can help out their quarterback a little bit because that's why they were able to beat Minnesota. I know Nick Foles made a lot of great throws, put balls where they needed to be, but some of those receivers, especially the couple of the deep balls, Torrey Smith made phenomenal catches for him to get them, to get them inside the red zone and all that. So if those guys can take advantage of the New England secondary and then on the other side of the ball they can get a nice pass rush on Tom Brady, it should be an interesting match. I'm not going to say New England still isn't going to win, but it should be someone, you know, one that goes down to the wire. Yeah, I, I think it will be. And, you know, you talk about that receiving core from Philadelphia, and my mind automatically goes to Alshon Jeffrey. And he scored that touchdown last week. He was just out in space in the open. But the guy still looks slow to me. I'm not going to sit here and make this about Alshon Jeffrey or rag on him because he's in the Super Bowl. He's living a I mean, dream right now. Alshon Jeffrey is lazy. Let's get rid of him. But it still looks like it. I, I mean, he's successful, but he's one of those guys that – it doesn't really pass the eye test. It doesn't make sense why it works still. He's he's one of those guys that everybody does this, but he more than a lot of people benefits when there's a lot more talent around him. When he's the, the main focus of a defense, he's not going to beat a lot of people, but he's mm-hmm. also he's very good and good enough where if he doesn't have to work that hard and yeah. he's, you know, not always the, you know, one A option the defense is keying in, like like a team here where they have to kind of worry about three or four guys, he's gonna be able to take advantage of one on one matchups. So I think that's why you've seen him be so good. And then on those deep balls, you don't have to have the greatest speed if you have fantastic hands and fantastic size, which he does. Yeah. 
And I think, you know, there, there are a ton of storylines and I know it's only Tuesday, but usually there's, there's storylines coming to the forefront right now, but I think there's still, you know, this one's about the football game. And, and I like that. There's not, there's not a sideshow going on right now. We got the, we got Tom Brady's stitches out of the way yesterday. We got, or last week, pardon me. Um, we got the Gronk injury out of the way. looks like he's going to be healthy. I think that this is more about the game and, I, I guess on the New England side of things, you have two coordinators that are that are heading out the door, regardless of how things shake down on Sunday. So I think that's even more impetus for them to want to go out there and get it done. I know they don't need any more reason, but I think Bill Belichick, in always looking two steps ahead and always looking what work lies ahead, sees a lot of work that lies ahead. So we better go get this one. That sort of approach with uh, Patricia and McDaniel's both heading out of town. So yeah, McDaniel's I think that's is- another. Is headed for Indy. It's, it sounds Indianapolis, like Indianapolis. Right? Okay. Indianapolis. Patricia's and, Detroit. Uh, to Detroit. Okay. Now, um, I had seen rumors with Indy, but I don't think I'd ever seen the hard confirmation like I saw. With yeah, I think both of them are supposed to be expected within days after the Super Bowl. So um, there's going to be a lot of change in New England, and that's something that Bill Belichick and Tom Brady are comfortable with. Because if you look at the cast of characters, the cast of coaches surrounding them. Doesn't look much like 2004, 2005, and they've been able to be successful with multiple different groups of people, but a lot of work goes into that. My point being is they know what they have right now. Let's make the most of it. I think that's another thing we can watch. Yeah. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what those two kind of do moving on as well, because I know we pretty much outside of Bill O'Brien, even him, you can have that debate. No one's really had success moving mm-hmm. on from Belichick, but every, I don't know. I don't remember really if everybody says this once these guys leave walk out the door, but everybody has this feeling that these two seem to be different. I feel that way about McDaniels. I think he's, you know, the second time around his second head coaching gig. I think he's going to do a good job. I don't know what to think about Matt Patricia because I don't know how much of that defense runs through him or how much of that defense runs through Bill Belichick telling him what to do. So that's yeah. That's that's going to be I think the most interesting hire me for the offseason because every time these Patriots coordinators get hired, they say it's a home run and pretty much every time we've seen them fall flat. So that's what I'm looking for and quite honestly and selfishly I'm hoping he falls flat going to an NFC North opponent with some talent. That's fair, Matt. You don't have to justify your hatred. Oh, I just I, I felt the necessity necessity <laughs> to say it to you, Joe. I'm not a hater. What a- any other storylines you got your eyes on? Obviously, Brady, eighth Super Bowl, looking for his sixth win, putting even more space between him and history. We'll never see one like him. Um, and I think we need to we need to cherish it. What else are you looking at? Uh, I, this one's a little bit smaller, but for me, it's it's cool to see a guy like Chris Long, who you know spent so mm-hmm. much time playing mm-hmm. on just awful, awful football teams, and now you know, <laughs> towards the end of his career, is going back to back Super Bowls with two two different teams, and also kind of facing his old team. I know he's probably the last guy who's going to try and give bulletin board material or go out and say you know anything that'll rile anybody up. But you know he's he's probably going to be playing with an edge, and he's always been, I think, one of the more underrated. You know, talented defensive end. So it'll be fun for me to watch him. But that's kind of the the one. Other than that, uh, there hasn't been too many like major storylines that have stuck out to me that in this Super Bowl. Seems a little quiet on that front. Yeah, I think. Um, and like I said, I think that might not be the worst thing in the world. So uh, you got a you got an Eagles team that largely flew under the radar after they had that gangbuster start, and their quarterback gets hurt. So. I think that they're playing with a chip on their shoulder, as we said last week, very much embodying the uh, the attitude and the temperaments of Philly fans, Philly people, and uh, the the pray for the Philly PD if they win or if they lose. I think Philadelphia needs prayers. I'm not right sure now. which one's better or worse for I the think, PD. I think Philadelphia just needs prayers right now, regardless, because if the NFC Championship was any indication, things could get a little nutty on Sunday. Now, I, I do want to give us credit here. I don't know for if, if you're planning on transitioning anytime soon but i've noticed we've we've used the term fly under the radar use the word fly probably four or five times and we okay. haven't made a corny eagle flying pun or fly oh. eagle. so I, i'm actually very proud of both of us because uh-huh. i don't know if you did i wanted to pretty badly oh no that wasn't um, restrained. I, I held that wasn't restrained. I, restrained. No. I wanted to give myself a little clap i just i wanted that, to you well, weren't I'm gonna do it you. so i wanted i to. cannot I cannot take the same credit because I didn't think of it because I, if I would have thought of it, I would have said it. So well, I will happily take the credit for you. <laughs> All right, Matter. We'll, we'll have plenty to break down from the Super Bowl next week. It's the Eagles and the Patriots going at it. Super Bowl 52. Will Tom get one for the other hand, I guess? Yeah, not one for the thumb. This will be a sixth. Uh, so going to be fun to watch. And uh, we'll touch on some other Super Bowl angles here later on in the pod. But uh, let's move on, Matt. You had an interesting report that you saw 
coming out of Bulls land um, that that once again the front office may Bulls have uh, back. may have false stepped here. Uh, yeah, let me pull up the tweet here. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski was tweeting that New Orleans and Chicago had a deal set for Nikola Mirotic, but now it's falling apart. And I believe I saw Vincent Goodwill, who is uh, NBC Sports Chicago's insider, saying it would be for. Uh, the Bulls would have been getting back Omer Ashik, who we we know very well, and a first round and a first round draft pick. But uh, I, I don't know how or why. I haven't seen reports yet of that. But the deal is falling flat. So Nikola Mirotic, for some reason, still a Chicago Bull. Don't, Joe, tell me how you feel about that. Yeah, that was three hours ago. I'm looking at that Goodwill tweet right now. Hearing Nikola Mirotic will be dealt to New Orleans Pelicans for Omer Ashik and mm-hmm. a first round pick. Sources tell NBC Chicago. Um. If it doesn't happen, I want to know why, because some people are reporting it with pretty high certainty here, and I think that's the exact move that you want to make, bring in a guy that... An expi- allow- I believe an expiring contract, or if not just one more year, but... Yeah, re- regardless of the contract you're bringing in, it's not going to be that fat of a contract mm-hmm. anyway. Get a chic off the books, get him somewhere else, and get a first-round draft pick. That is the key there. You wanted to get a first-round draft pick, and... If it comes with a body, fine. But you wanted a first-round draft pick, maybe a draft consideration, something along those lines for Miritich. If you can get that, go get it. Don't don't mess around here because I don't want to have to have another reason to take Garin Pax to task here. I, I just don't want to – I want to see them continue a rebuild mentality, and that means dealing at the trade deadline. That means dealing at the trade deadline for consecutive years. And if you can't do that, then – you're never going to reach that top echelon, top quarter of teams in the league because you'll never be able to build up to that. Yeah, it, it, like not only was it a first round pick which harped on, I, I'm huge. They have to get a first round back for him. But like the first round picks that we were talking about a couple weeks ago were, you know, Boston or, or Houston, someone like that. And the first round pick, one of theirs, I'd be thrilled with. But this is the New Orleans Pelicans who right now sit at sixth in the Western Conference. They also just lost arguably their cousins, best player. Yeah. For sure, their second best, arguably their best. They're they're not going to be very good down the stretch, and Nico Miritich isn't going to change that. He's not the difference between them being a playoff team or not without Boogie Cousins. That's a first-round pick that could have been a lottery pick, unless there was some sort of protection on it that I don't know, but eventually those protections wear off too. So if this had a chance to be a lottery first-round pick and you just decided to, I, I don't know who walked away or what, but that's inexcusable. I don't know how yeah. this deal fell apart. I'm hoping that we get a little bit more details, a little bit more clarity that comes through. But if, if it doesn't, that's that's a huge misstep. And after such a great Jimmy Butler trade and getting everything he could back for him, it's, it's a massive failure for that front office. So Woj is, Woj is reporting that it's it's done. It's not happening. Good. It's, that's good. It's, it's fa- that's good. No, no, no. I'm asking you. He's reporting that it's Oh, I'm sorry. So that's, that's what I I've seen. What I time, thought there was another what tweet. these reports were Let's coming see. down. I, I, great radio scrolling <laughs> through my twitter um at 12 41 p.m on january 30, so today on 12 41 p.m he tweeted that the deal's falling apart for yeah. now so i don't know if that means it can reconvene whatever but if it's falling apart for now that means somebody backed out and not good not good if the not bulls good. can pull that one off not ideal uh but bully ball actually coming to town here in sacramento in a couple weeks so I'll be able to I'll be able to report on it from the front lines for you, Matt. So we'll have a better look at them in a couple of weeks. Yeah, why don't you ask them why they didn't get the deal done, Joe? <laughs> you have will, that access. Uh, I'll uh, I'll bump into Hoiberg and just try and get some try just try and get some quick answers. You know, love that. You know? Yeah, some, some you cover hard, the Kings a lot. Is that is that your main? hard journalism? Is that where you head we to do, most of the time? We do cover the Kings. Um, they've been on a road trip since I got here. Their longest road trip of the year. So uh, they're back in town Friday against the Warriors, and that'll be my first. Uh, my first on court, so that should be a good time. Oh, I know that! What a hell of a hell yeah. of an opening game yeah. for you to see there. And a little bit of a, a little bit of a crosstown rivalry. I mean, not obviously not the same city, but uh, Oakland only an hour and ten minutes away from here. So a lot of Golden State fans here, uh, a lot of Sacramento fans here. It's going to be. It's always a uh, a high, not a highly contested game. From yeah, what I, I was going to say, but it's... a. Uh, a highly anticipated game, nonetheless. So, so you say we got um, first in the West versus last in the West. I don't contested yeah. might not be the right way to put that. One. Hey, but but I mean, I'm not going to go off on my so- Sacramento diatribe here. But you got uh, you got a promising future if you can uh, 
get De'Aaron Fox to reach reach his ceiling, because I, which I think is very, very high. Um, you got Bogdan Bogdanovich here, who, if he can get his shooting numbers a little better, could be a great piece from the outside. Willie Cauley-Stein inside is kind of that freak unicorn-type seven-footer that teams look like look for now. So there's a lot going on. Um, they, they just need to figure out how to put it all together. And well, they're, been, they're, they're rebuilding the right way, Joe. They're getting to the bottom exactly. of the conference, and they're trying to get it, you know, string a couple go, top five, top four, top three go picks young, Go young, pick some names, and learn how to play together. Who would yeah, have thought that might actually, you know, be a thing? <laughs> and then go young. You, you, you get a bun- clear a bunch of money off the books. You get some young guys. You learn how to play together. And then you pack it in and try and get LeBron. Everyone, you say, screw it. You can have whatever you want. You go get. You got to go get a name. I think that's still the way to do it. So here, here, here's a theory floating around for you, and I, I want to ask you about because I'm gonna. We're, we're in the NBA. I'm gonna. I'm gonna transition the topic here because you said LeBron. Okay. Do you think that's what the Clippers are doing, trading Blake Griffin, moving out all that, moving out his cap space to make one giant run at LeBron, knowing that maybe he wants to go to LA, and that the Lakers might not be the ideal situation people thought it was. Is is that? the reason they they made this trade for Blake Griffin because other than that I have no idea what the hell's going on there they didn't get I mean, they got Avery Bradley who's a nice role player um they got it was, a late first round pick what, what do you what's going on here I think it was a decision made by the accounting department because you get 171 million dollars off the books over the next five years that frees you up to do whatever you want whether it be LeBron James or another high profile free agent that really unhandcuffs you. And I think they were seeing that Blake Griffin, the current alchemy that they had in Los Angeles, something wasn't working and they weren't going to be able to make a change unless they got a contract like that off the books. Was it a misstep in the off season to pay him that type of money? No, I don't think so because he's Blake Griffin. He's the face of your franchise. He's due for a check. So you go give him the check, but I think a lot of people in the Clippers organization are of the feeling that something needed to change. And I think in everything that I've read, Doc Rivers is what needs to change. He's, he's the problem there. And uh, they went and tried to fix a problem, not at the source. And I think it was largely from, it was largely a decision made by dollars and cents. It doesn't make much sense because you're the return on it. Like you said, was next to nothing, but if nothing else, you just cleared a lot of money off the cap for the next five years. Yeah, I mean, that part of it definitely does make sense. And you touched on, I think the issue was actually signing him to that deal in the offseason because right, mm-hmm. even right when they did, when he was a free agent, he's he's not old, but he's an aging power forward who's injury prone, with, which usually increases the aging process a little bit more. And he's not, 33, he, if I'm not mistaken. 33. I, I, I don't know off the top of my head, and I'm not yeah. going to pretend like I do. That, that sounds right. I was going to say 31, 32, but like, He's not good enough to carry a team. He's maybe not even good enough to be number two on a big three, because or, you know, on a big three because he, him and Chris Paul were the big two there for a while and did absolutely nothing with it with some talent around him. So why not, I guess, move out and see if he can't make some play for some free agents? But it just the timing of it seems weird after signing him to that mega deal. I saw in a tweet that their pitch to him, their their free agency pitch in the offseason, they brought him up to the brought him into the Staples Center. And they dimmed the lights and showed Blake Griffin's jersey rising to the rafters and congratulating the lifelong Clipper, basically mm-hmm. showing him his retirement ceremony. <laughs> and yeah. then, you know, four months later, five months later, boom, you're gone and you're you're headed to Detroit of all places. Which I, I gotta say, man, you you go from being 31 and, and single and, and incredibly wealthy in L.A. to Detroit. That's uh yeah, well, 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 but I, that, I don't I don't like that argument at all. From thirty-one and single and wealthy, in you know LA what I'm finding to young, thirty-one young and, and single. single in Detroit versus young and single in LA, Joe. It's yeah, the- his name—he's Blake Griffin. He's due one hundred and seventy-one million dollars over the next five years, on top of whatever Kia money he's already sitting on. If Blake Griffin wants to go see Kendall Jenner in LA on an off day, he gets on a plane. Probably a plane with his name on it. Like, let's not start feeling yeah, bad. Yeah, it's like a four-hour flight for for Blake Griffin's social situation. I know, well, no, no, like, okay, I'm, not I'm gonna, sure he's going to be gonna just feel, fine. I, I shouldn't say feel bad for him because that's not the right way to put it. But at the same time, like, kind of sucks. Yeah, but these guys spend 
probably have, they probably spend a hundred days a year on the road and in hotel rooms anyway. It's not like he's, yes, the home stretches and home games, he's getting to sleep in his own bed in LA, but I doubt Blake Griffin sells his, any, any of his real estate in LA. I think that uh, Blake Griffin retires to LA. So let's not worry about Blake's social marital situation. I think, I think he's going to make ends meet. Sorry for looking out for the guy, Joe. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I guess, if there's going to be something to watch, it's going to be that front court, Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin. Detroit, as you said, not a that great basketball be, team. But that'll be a fun. That should be a fun front court to watch. Yeah, those, those two bit. together should be really fun. Down, they don't really have much around them, but if they can get a piece, yeah. into, that should actually be a somewhat competitive team in the East. Get a get a point guard that knows how to throw lobs and just let let the boys go out there and play. Can we interest them in Jaron Grant for a first round pick? <laughs> Would you guys like Jaron Grant? Because we could uh, we could probably make ends meet there. But no, they'd screw it up ten minutes before the deal goes through. Yeah, so. they'd be getting two first round picks for Jaron Grant, and then Gar would back out and say, "No, nah, I yeah. think we're going to keep him." Matt, let's uh, let's backtrack into our steps here a little bit. Jump on sure. a little Bears football. We haven't talked Bears in a while, and uh, always breaking, ready to talk some Bears, Joe. It's breaking my heart. So obviously, this off season is the uh, they're in a buyer's position, uh, especially right now. And I know free agency's different league to league, and you don't get as much movement in the NFL. Movement happens in the off season, so I think the big acquisition has to happen here in the offseason through free agency we're looking at wide receivers and guys that can possibly fill that need on the outside who do you like uh, espn reporting that the bears have shown interest in jarvis landry and sammy watkins i'd be happy with either of those i lean towards jarvis on the uh, if i'm making the decision between those two i'm with you too mainly just because sammy watkins well i don't think he suffered many you know serious injuries he has missed some games here and there um i think mm-hmm. in 2016 he only played eight i think in 2015 i'm looking at now he missed three or four um yeah. I tend to lean towards Jarvis Landry as well. I, I know he's a slot guy, and it's a lot of money to pay a slot guy, but he's got 112 receptions. He had 112 receptions last year, 464 career games. And with what the Bears' offense do, you know, are going to try to do with Helfrich and, and Nagy, slot guy is, is a very valuable, value, valuable position. Excuse me, Joe. And I don't think that you know the outside receiver, the X or the Z, makes that much more of an impact in that offense that system that set up then a guy like Jarvis Landry in the slot and as we've seen those smaller speedy type guys in the slot both of these offensive minds know how to you know how to use pretty well get creative with and I think he's just a very solid player he's still really young not that I would be upset with Sammy Watkins Jarvis Landry's going to cost you more money but at some point you have to stop you know making these band-aid free agent signatures and go yep. out and try and make a big splash and this is your chance, Jarvis Landry. There's no doubt about it. How talented he is. He might not be. He's not going to be worth the money you're going to have to pay him. But sometimes you got to go overspend to get the guys that your football team needs. Yeah, and I think that you know Jarvis Landry. This is going to be his only. I think this is going to be his fifth season. So yeah. this will only be his second contract. He's still on his rookie contract, I imagine, mm-hmm. a four year four year rookie deal. So he is going to demand a good amount in free agency. But at the same time. He had a little regression last year in terms of yards, not in terms of touchdowns. It was his best year in terms of touchdowns and his best year in terms of receptions. So uh, like you said, you might have to pay uh, top dollar for a Jarvis Landry. But I even argue, Matt, that that slot position, that guy that's going to move around within the offensive set is more valuable in a West Coast uh, run and gun, dink and dunk type offense that we're probably going to see from the Bears. And I think that at any time, if you want to look at the success of players or schemes, you look to New England and look what New England has done for the last decade. It's about that slot guy. They've made it about the slot guy. The outside receiver, that Z receiver, X receiver becomes your complement guy. Or if you, if you really want to stretch a defense and open it up, you go over the top to that guy. But majority of those passes are going to come from that 6 to 12, 6 to 15 yard range. And they're going to go to a Danny Amendola uh, Wes Welker, a uh, Julian Edelman, uh, a Brandon Cooks, and a, a, in the Bears' case, hopefully, but in the Dolphins' case, a Jarvis Landry. That is the, that is where you see your most success from wide receivers in the league today. That's your taking your Julio Joneses out of the equation, mm-hmm. taking these other guys out of the equation that are top-tier freak athletes, but how often do you see those guys uh, in the Super Bowl I, last year with Julio, but 
teams see their most success from the slot these days. And that's that's just where the game has evolved to and, and what defenses are giving you. A lot of times you have more options to get that slot guy coming across the field than you do to get that speed guy burner over the top. And that's why I think top dollar for a guy like Jarvis Landry wouldn't be crazy. He's been one of the most productive receivers throughout the last four years. And he's not, while he is a slot guy, he's not, he's not small. He's not undersized. He's 5'11". Five eleven, yeah, two hundred and eight pounds though. So it's the thickness that you got to worry about there at the slot position, and he's got it. He's a guy who's got the the murderer's mentality between the ears, coming out of LSU, playing with Odell. Those guys know how to go out there and ball, and I think he'd be a great addition to the Bears. Yeah, and he, he he's going to help your quarterback more than anybody else, more than any other addition you can make in the offseason. Plus, they have a guy in Cam Meredith who's coming back who's going who can be that outside receiver. I know he's not a great wide receiver by any means, but mm-hmm. we've seen him pretty much take positive steps uh, throughout his entire career here and, and developed into a guy who I think pretty much everybody agreed in a system could be a solid, you know, third best receiver if you have the people around him. And if you get a guy like Jarvis Landry, you can bring back a guy like Dontrell Inman and Ken Dontrell Inman and Kendall Wright. Then you mm-hmm. got four you got one elite receiver on the slot, and then you got three pretty serviceable guys who, with a guy like Jarvis Landry to take away a lot of that attention, can have breakout type seasons. So I, I, I think you need to go out and get him because you already do kind of have that a guy who can be on the outside. So don't overpay for a guy who you hope can be an elite on the outside receiver when there is a elite slot guy sitting right there in front of you. And maybe the most exciting thing about Jarvis Landry doesn't turn 26 until Thanksgiving. So you're getting a guy on the front side mm-hmm. of his prime. If These guys are so him. rarely available. Yeah. And, and honestly, if you're, if you're the Bears, you know this is the role that you have to fill. And I know it doesn't figure into the decision. But go out there and get a guy that the fans know. I mm-hmm. think that's a large part of why the Bears fans have been so apathetic towards the Bears, and this last year was a step in the right direction. But in years past, the casual Bears fan doesn't even know the name of their wide receiving core. And sometimes, even last year, I was looking out there at, at guys that they were picking and plugging through injuries and having to jump on Google and say, where's this guy Who from? is this guy? Who is Where this guy? Where do you play? This yeah, is, all that stuff. There, there's, there's some name and facial recognition in Jarvis Landry, I think, league-wide. So that would also add into a, a positive for, for my, so, Oh, okay. This is very important. Sorry to, to lose my train of no, thought there. Please but, do. Uh, NFL live playing in the background. They just did the Madden Super Bowl 52 simulation. Oh, who do they got? Patriots 24 Eagles 20. So right on that four and a half line, wow. but, but a close one, but so a close I gotta one. take, so I got to take the Eagles then. I think I think that's what you got to do. Yeah, yeah. scientifically yeah, at least proven. That's what Field Yates and Darian Woody are suggesting the, right now. The, the the better stat that I like, Joe, that Damian nobody Woody. seems to be talking about is that twelve out of the last thirteen Super Bowls, the team wearing their road white uniforms is one huge. Patriots so huge. wearing white. You think that was by accident? I don't I also, think that so was the, by accident. I was looking at the I was looking at the statistic. I think they're two and three in the blues and three so, and zero oh in the in the whites or oh, three and one in the whites. They're undefeated whatever. in the whites. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's a lock. So, it's a lock. New England lock money line, Eagles plus four and a half. You're going to win a lot of money. Trust us, people. <laughs> lock it up. That actually sounds really nice, uh, Matt. We got to we got to jump into it because. Uh, it was it was music to my ears. It was a sight to see Tiger Woods back onto the golf course. Wasn't it uh, great? Plot, plotting it around there. Not great off the tees, but his scramble game was on point. Uh, there were n- a number of moments where you thought, oh, this is where it goes sideways. You know, an out-of-bounds mm-hmm. drive, this, that. And he always found a way to get back to zero, get back to his equilibrium, and, and not lose his cool, his temper, his focus. It was there for 72 holes, which I think was – my biggest takeaway from Tiger's first uh, first start on U.S. soil in a very long time. Yeah, you know, you kind of hit on it there, but for me, the biggest thing was in the past. You know, when we'd see these errant drives or you know bad shots off the tee, he had to drop one, whatever. Um, whenever he'd get himself in a spot where he'd have to get up and down from the green, he'd usually flub the chip or you know run the putt by. Short game looked great, and he did. A, his short game was fantastic, and the fact that that's yeah. back, I. I I'm not worried about him figuring out his swing off the tee. I, I know that he had a bad weekend, but we also saw him in the Bahamas hitting the ball great off the tee. So I, I'm mm-hmm. not 
scared or worried that he can't go make you know a tweak here and there and figure that thing out. I know he's his own swing coach now, so that might be a little bit worrisome. But at the same time, I have no doubt that he knows how to fix his driver swing. He's done it a million times before. The fact that that short game and that putting seemed to have come back, or at least come back to an extent, and he was able to use that to bail him out, I think that's an incredibly encouraging sign. And I, I'm not saying go, you know, bet him to win the Masters or anything, but I think he's going to be hanging around most of the tournaments, and I think he's going to make a lot of cuts. Yeah, and you saw him excited to be playing golf again, and I think that's that's important too. Even even when those errant drives were happening, or he wasn't executing the way he wanted to, it wasn't the end of the world. There was there was a next shot mentality. He still looked happy to be out there competing, playing golf again. Because this was a guy, not to get too uh, deep about it, but this is a guy who was embattled on and off the course. Family, everything that's gone on in the last nine years for Tiger Woods has been a rocky road. There has been no, it was, it was nothing but green lights prior to that for him. And his life changed drastically from from whatever it was maritally to whatever was going on with his body to his inability to dominate the way he did. His life changed in front of all of our eyes. And I think that getting away, getting out of the spotlight, getting his body right, getting his mind right has put him in a place where he can be mentally free and play the game of golf that requires 100% of your focus anyway. Yeah, uh, I think you said it right. The the two tournaments we've seen him in this year in the, in the Bahamas and then here, he's I haven't seen him look this comfortable, this, you know, just carefree and kind of happy to be out there as I think ever. Because even when he was winning all those tournaments, dominating, he still always was, you know, had that dead serious look on his face. He was always, you know, super focused. But now at the same time, he looks a lot more just relaxed and free. And I don't want to say happy to be out there, but happy that he is out there actually at a point where he looks like he's happy and he can compete. And I know most of the, not the stuff with his own body, but. The personal stuff, the the family stuff was basic. It was all self induced, but at the same time, still something you have to get over the fact, get over the fact that you did that and all all the stuff. And he kind of had to mentally be okay with himself again. It seems like he is. It, it seems like he's happier out on the course, and that I absolutely think has a direct effect on his golf game. Yeah, I think so too. And I know you say don't go out there and bet him for the Masters, but he said the M word. He of said course, it. I'm going to bet him in the Masters, Joe. I was just telling them not to. But he he came out this week and said that. He goes, you know, his game's not where he wants to be right now, but there's a lot of time to get things figured out before the Masters. Like, he already has his focus on Augusta. I, the, I, don't, know if, I don't know if you ever said that before this or even said Augusta, um, or maybe you said, like, you know, early April was the time always kind of being ready for. But I think everybody knew when he started this little comeback that everything was gearing towards a, yeah. a comeback in April, you know, being yeah. ready for April. It's better when he's out there, and I know we say it all the time, but uh, always fun to watch Tiger. I believe his next start is in two weeks at Riviera. Yes, I'm not mistaken, is what he came out and said. And we'll be watching. Tiger Talk. Tiger Talk here on the Moose and Runes podcast. Thank you for listening, Moose and Runes listeners. We appreciate you guys. Uh, We're going to get to some of your questions later on here in the mailbag. But as always, like us on Twitter, retweet tweet at us, tweet your questions, subscribe on iTunes if you haven't already. We appreciate you guys. To no end. Matthew, you got a grievance for us? I do. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now, you're going to hear about it. You can't handle the truth. Boy, have you lost your mind, because I'll help you find it. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Okay, so this isn't, uh, it's, it's not like a massive grievance, not too angry about it, but I think it's just something's flying under the radar that I would like to, to bring bring to light a little bit. Um, it it's, could also be considered a hockey minute, Joe, if you want to do that. A grievance combined hockey with a hockey minute, minute. Hockey minute grievance, all right. Um, now, we're being, now we're being judicious with our time here. Uh, it, that's, what, that's what we do here at the Moose Marine <laughs> Podcast. We're efficient, <laughs> if nothing. Time management. Uh, Yarmir Yager uh, was placed on waivers by the, the – was apparent rumored to be going on waivers and then was uh, loaned to a Czech public team by the Calgary Flames. So essentially it looks like his NHL career uh, has, has finally come to a close. He started in the league in 1990-91 as an 18-year-old, and he is leaving as a 45-year-old in 2017-18. He is the second – uh, all-time leader in points just behind Wayne Gretzky, and nobody's ever going to catch him. So Yager is 
basically the second greatest scorer of all time. Uh, it's just something that's flying under the radar a little bit. No one seems to be talking about it. I know hockey is a little bit of a afterthought in the sporting world, but uh, I just want to take a chance to bring it to light, uh, honor a fantastic career of one of the greatest to ever do it, one of the most fun people to ever watch play, too. I know he had the, had the mullet going on. Joe, Joe, what's going on over there? I'm making coffee. You started talking about a Yarmir Yager, and this isn't even a grievance, so I'm making a cup of coffee. It's a grievance that it's criminally underrated. No one's talking about it. Oh, okay. Your grievance is with the general public. Yes, with you especially. You didn't even talk about it in the rundown meeting. Oh, I apologize that Yarmir Yager's... Don't don't talk. I know you you, you make fun of me for saying hockey names like Gustav Forsling and stuff like that. No, I I know. But don't talk to me like Yarmir Yager is someone who doesn't deserve to be talked about, Joe. He's great, but he could have been out of the league four years ago. He could have been out of the league four years ago, His longevity. Could have been out of the league four years ago. Joe, two years ago in 2015-16, he had 27 goals, 66 points, 79 games. That's that's someone who belongs in the league. Last year, he was almost 20 goals he was someone who belonged in the league there's a reason that he's in the league but now there's a reason that he isn't and i'm not saying there isn't i'm just saying it's a great athlete it's one of the all-time greats in the sport and should be being honored a little bit more than he is for making his exit here that's all i'm saying joe matt i was gonna give i was gonna give you your platform but you you had to come at me you're making your clinking noise you're not even you're you you and the general public or this grievance is more turned to you now when when people start talking hockey you go make coffee. You just don't care. You don't listen, Joe. That's that's I it, what. I just felt like I needed an espresso to get me through the rest of this podcast, Matt. And I was going to do it in peace, but well, no, you clearly had to, wasn't that peaceful because you had to, you had to make this about you had to make this about me. You had to make this about Yarmir Yager. But if you want, if you want a couple more moments to uh, yeah, Joe, to I'll, give I'll, Yar- I'll, I'll I'll keep this going while you're still finishing making your coffee. Why don't you Why don't you bring it home here with, on the on the Yarmir Yager topic? An absolute Hall of Famer. I did not know, but Matt, to your credit, I did not know that he was the second all time scorer. Yeah. So you have you Behind have not Chris. only informed me, you have enlightened me I'm a about Yarmir Yager about Yarmir Yager's place yeah. in hockey history. So, well, I'm happy to do it, and now I have lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, <laughs> But nonetheless, one of the greats of all time, uh, hanging up the skates. It's it's he should be getting a little more attention than he is, but at the same time, uh, that's it's fitting for hockey and fitting for how the NHL operates. They don't necessarily seem to promote their sport or their game or their legends all that well. Because I don't know if you knew this, but the All Star Game was Sunday. They did a great job promoting that. I did. Um, I did see it. I, I was one of four people that got you know, more than ten people, minutes of airtime with. Rightfully them. so, people. You know, uh, people give hockey some crap sometimes and I, I know uh, ratings wise in terms of the big four sports they're, they're the lowest but I also think their all-star game the way they do it their setup with the three-on-three tournament is uh-huh. I think it's the best of the four all-star games honestly yeah. uh, baseball is right up there too but now that yeah, that's lost I, a little I bit of its competitiveness I, I think it's a, it's a fantastic way for them to market their young stars and it's it's a fun game to watch it's not long and people actually try for the two 10-minute periods or whatever it is they play mm-hmm. And they just do an awful job promoting it. Like I didn't. I'm a, I'm a diehard hockey fan, Joe. I didn't even know the All Star Game was coming up until like a week and a half ago. And yeah, that's only because I was at work and somebody said like, make sure you put the All Star break into a graphic. It's like I didn't even know that was coming. <laughs> and that just goes to show the All Star Game gets a graphic. It doesn't get no highlights. We're, we're it's going to be a 15 second graphic and let's move on. <laughs> but yeah, um, so that, that's. That's that's my grievance, Joe. I I heard a couple. Right. No, I had a couple. I think that was pretty good. I. I Started that was, this uh, podcast with a worry I didn't have anything to, to be upset about. And thank you for loudly making coffee during my, my talk because you sparked me. Well, you, you lit a fire. You got it. You got it. I'm glad I could uh, I'm glad I could give you a little bit of a give you a little bit of juice this morning. Um my coffee's gonna be ready in about three or four minutes, so you might hear some more clinking. Oh well, um, we'll, we'll, also, we'll certainly look forward to that, Joe. Matt, do you think that this is more a product of the NHL doing things the way they do and not promoting or is it because it's mid-season? I feel like this is definitely I think the a missed fact op- that it, It's a missed opportunity for the league because we talk about name recognition, and you don't have to be a hockey, hockey fan to know who Yarmir Yager is. There's a chance that over the last 20 years you've heard that name and you know who he is. No, I, I'm, I totally agree with you. And like you said, like people who don't know hockey have heard the name Yarmir Yager simply because it's just been around since 1990. Yeah. Um, but it, it, it does seem like a golden opportunity here. Obviously, if they're loaning him out now, that means they 
been planning on doing this for a while, and there was rumors about him going on waivers, you know, before the All Star break. Seemed like there could have been a, a cool All Star, you know, game moment. Not even not if he's in it, like you know, have him there, kind of honor him, do something there. I, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't want that yet. But it, it seems like a missed opportunity to just be a free publicity grab for the NHL to get people paying attention and watching a little bit in what's kind of starting to become the stretch run of their season. And at the same time, at the All-Star break, get people to watch some of their new, fun, young stars and get some name recognition there. There's a, the MVP of the, you know, I don't know if the, it's the game or the entire day, was a kid, was a rookie from Vancouver, American kid named Brock Besser, who would have been a, a great name for the NHL, the American NBC networks to try and promote, you know, the next American yeah. star. And instead, anyone named Brock, I yeah, support anyone Brock's named Brock. Brock's a great name, uh, <laughs> but that way, you know, it's a great opportunity to market some young stars who maybe people haven't heard much about while honoring an old, very name recognizable star. But hey, hey, NHL, NHL, you got any openings? My know, boys got some ideas. We know right? they listen. They they listen. Matt Matt Rooney, remember the name. They listen. Buy or sell? Let's do it. All right, why don't you start us off, Matt? Okay. Um, Friday, I believe it was, the mm-hmm. Milwaukee Brewers heated up the hot stove there, Joe. It was cold for a while. I don't know if you knew Piping that. Piping hot. I don't know if you knew that. But now, now it's on fire. Uh, they traded <laughs> a blockbuster trade for Christian Yelich uh, from the Marlins. I think they traded two of their top six prospects. And then hours later, minutes later, signed Lorenzo Cain to the five-year deal. Cubs haven't really done anything to respond yet. Nobody's really done anything to respond yet. So Joe, buy or sell? We got a new favorite in the NL Central this year. I'm going to buy it because while, while I don't think moves should be reactionary, I don't think the Cubs should respond to the trade. I think the Cubs have been some things that they can address and get done regardless of what the Brewers do or have done in the offseason. But that move right there, and the most important thing is you're not going to get Yelich unless you give top prospects. Mm-hmm. But the fact that they're willing to part ways with – a good percentage of their farm system to go get a guy. That's a win now move. That is a, whether or not we think of them as the top contender in the NL central, the people, the organization, the clubhouse now thinks of themselves as the favorite in the NL central. That's why I'm buying. Yeah. There's no doubt that that's obviously going to be a great boost to the people inside of that clubhouse. I'm still, as of right now with the roster, as it is right now, I'm going to sell, but, if the Brewers go out and get you know an arm like they're rumored to here, whether that's mm-hmm. surprise everybody get Darvish, maybe they pay for Arietta. Uh, one place I saw rumored Chris Archer trade possibly being a thing. If they go out and get another big arm, and the Cubs still kind of stand pat, don't hit on Darvish or I'm not Arietta. I don't think he's much of an option for them anymore. But one of those big arms and answer you know with an arm in their rotation, I yeah. think I would agree with that because as good as that Cubs lineup is, they still really haven't addressed the bullpen. I know they got uh, Brandon Morrow, but they also lost Wade Davis. So that's, I mean, that's a step back in my opinion. And they haven't really addressed the rotation. I, I know Kyle Hendricks is still really good, but John Lester's not really the same as he was. Quintana is a very fine number two, but I mean, after that, there really isn't much there. And if the Brewers can go out and, and solidify their rotation, their lineup is now, I'm not going to say as good as the Cubs, but it can compete with the Cubs lineup. And you got to think of where they were a year ago. They weren't that far off. They led the NL Central for a good portion of the season until the Cubs kind of turned it on there at the end. Or and the Bre- I forget what month it was, but really right the after Brewers, the All Star break, the Cubs yeah, the Brewers, on. yeah, and the Brewers collapsed simultaneously. Mm-hmm. But the talent is there to be out in front of, of a division. You boost that talent with Christian Yelich, and, and and like you said, add an arm, and you're in a good position if you're in Milwaukee. I do think the Cubs are going to get out to a better start this year because uh, they even admitted, I'm not sure if that was more of them just kind of making excuses or it actually factoring in, but there was that World Series hangover factor. I don't think it should have affected them as much as it did to the fact that they were under 500 at the yeah, All-Star but, break. But, at this, but I mean, I, I'm just, I don't think the Brewers are going to have, be playing no, from in the front. No, the space as they to were. be, exactly. no, I don't think they'll have the space to, to make mistakes and grow as they did last year, but uh, to the credit of the World Series hangover, I know it's a colloquial thing that we talk about and it's a saying that we like to use, but there's some science behind it. There's something behind fatigue and there's something behind focus that it affects every single team. Oh, it, it affects especially in a city like here with a team like the Cubs. 
Yeah. Those guys were doing everything and anything in the offseason because everybody wanted them to be a part of their radio show or be a part of this, you know, be a part of this party, be a part of this commercial, whatever. And whether you like it or not, that affects your travel, that affects your your workout schedule, that affects a lot of things in the way you prepare in the offseason. Let the boys play. I say let the boys play. Well, they'll have their chance. They'll have their chance uh, coming up here uh, in in late March. All right, matter. Uh, you ready? Let me hit you with oh, one. Of course, I'm ready. Okay, Matt, buy or sell? And I know we're taking it back here. We're going to the not the way back machine, but the take it back machine here. A little, a little Nebraska love. Uh, they've they've gained some headlines nationally, not just in the Cornhusker State. Nebraska basketball playing really well, taking down Wisconsin yesterday. Uh, I could pull up their schedule here. I know they have six remaining conference games, and they're currently projected as an 11 seed in ESPN's mock March Madness bracket. Matt, buy or sell, Nebraska finds a way to make the tournament. So I, I'm looking at their schedule because when you asked me this, Joe, I, I got to be honest. But I knew they were having a better season than normal, but I wasn't exactly sure of, of their wins and all that stuff mm-hmm. and who they kind of knocked off. I still think they need to they need to finish strong. I think they need to beat Maryland at home. I think they probably need to beat Indiana too. I, I would say they need to win five of their last six. Yeah, because uh, because you look at that schedule. I know they. I mean, Northwestern isn't the win people thought it would be. They beat Minnesota early on, but that's not the win people thought it would be. They don't really have that marquee big win, and I I I, I think if they add a couple more, they can get some quality over quantity there. But there was I, that. I think yeah, they need to win five or six. I agree with you on that fact. And there was that stretch in there where they had Creighton, Michigan State, Kansas, and Minnesota all in a line, I believe it was. I don't. That wasn't the order of the games, but they had those four games yeah. in a 10-day span. And they were in it against Kansas to the last minute. They, they ended up losing, and they were in it till about two and a half minutes left against Creighton. So those would have been two turning points in the season and, and really would have allowed them to, you know, been in a position of power right now rather than having to win five of six. But something that I find super interesting is Nebraska just played four games in an eight-day span, which you don't see that often in terms of scheduling. Now these last six games are going to be pay, played over a 27-day span. So something crazy going on. Six with the games scheduling. over 27 days? Yeah, so there's no such thing as momentum coming down the stretch here. It's just going to be approaching each game one at a time and trying to maintain a high level of play at practice. I think that's what's going to get you there. Now, did you were you pretty close with the the covering the basketball team as well? Yeah, we were all over around. No, we were we were all over them. Now, what's the the head uh, coach is Tim Miles? I think Tim Miles. He seemed to be pretty well liked. There's there's no better human in my time in Nebraska. I got to work. With Tim Miles, Mike Riley, and Darren Erstad, in terms of uh, you know the former big White three Sox coaches. great Darren Erstad, former White Sox, former People Dodger, former Angel, great guy, um, and all three of them knew what we needed as media members. knew they respected us as some coaches don't. We got to work with John Cook with the volleyball team too, but just some great people. Nebraska has found a way to hire you know, really top-notch individuals. I think the Scott Frost hire is a top-notch individual as well as a top-notch coach. Tim Miles, can't say enough good things about him, and I hope they make the tournament just for his success. He has been on and off the hot seat year after year at Nebraska, and I think he at least bought himself a little bit of time, maybe another short-term contract with this season. Is is it up at the end of this year for him? It's either this year or next year. I think it's next year, but there is a school option this year a university option at the end of this year if i'm not mistaken um so some decisions will need to be made but i I think that tim miles is the right guy for the nebraska job because he's i think the toughest thing and the thing that people don't think about with college basketball is recruiting because you get i think you get five scholarships a year four scholarships a year you can't miss you can miss on a couple guys in in college football a guy who you thought was going to be a blue chipper doesn't really pan out, or a guy who you thought could be a role player who who shouldn't have who shouldn't be playing Division One. Uh, you can't do that at, at, in basketball, and you always know that those top recruits you're going to have to pry from the Kansases, Kentuckys, and Dukes and Michigan States. So to recruit at a program like Nebraska and see some sort of sustained success, uh, you know, all the credit in the world goes to Tim Miles there. And that was Talking Nebraska. We're still doing it with Joe Alvin Sacramento, folks. I still got it, right? 
Hey, but, you, it, uh, you, you can take the, the boy out of Nebraska, but you can't take the Nebraska out of the boy, Joe. <laughs> Something like that, Matt. You got one for me? Oh, of course, Joe. Buy or sell the XFL. Simple as that. It's I back. Sell. How do I you sell? sell? Because it's not going to be – it's not going to we're, – we're always worried about the product when it comes to football. Oh, this is not a good product. This isn't I'm not a good worried. Product. I've never been worried about the product. I just Thursday night football. Thursday night football. Well, if I would have asked you the question, Matt, then you could have answered. But I'm going to answer now. Fair enough. And I think it's going to be a garbage product. I, I don't care if you're taking the sideshow out of it like you promised. It's going to be – uh, the focus is going to be on football, and there's not going to be the antics that it was the first time around. And But that's what made the XFL the XFL. If you're going to try and just be another football league, you're not going to be successful. You're always going to be in the NFL shadow, so you need to carve out a niche. You need to do something different within that shadow. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know that they know what they're going to do. I think they just see an opportunity because the NFL is in a point of vulnerability right now. But NFL is still king. I don't need the XFL. I don't need Vince McMahon's raspy voice telling me it's time for football. I don't need any of that. I don't need to watch a bunch of guys who should be out going to get jobs, furthering themselves and injuring themselves in the XFL for peanuts on the dollar. I don't need to see that. Uh, There's no place for that in my sports fandom. I'm selling the XFL. For me, it's all about when they actually have their season. Um, it's if, supposed if, to if it they kicks can, off January. It's going to be right on the tail end see, of the NFL season. I think there's a market for that. It's never going to. The NFL is always going to be king. I don't think that's the that I I would never debate that. I don't think. Um, but I think there's a market. People like me, people who want to watch football year round, who miss football when it's gone. There's it gives you. It's it's not going to be great football, but it's still going to be football. It's still going to be Division One, you know, washouts basically, uh, who couldn't make it in the NFL, who are still very talented players, just not as talented enough to be in the NFL. If I'm going to give it a shot, Joe, I, I I'm going to be very excited to see some big names who maybe I remember from their old playing days who didn't make it. I can hear you rolling your eyes at me right now. Um, yeah. but I'm just unless I, unless he hate me's on the field, I'm out. Maybe he will be. Who no, knows? I think Rod. I think Rod Smart's in jail somewhere. I don't know. Well, then he wouldn't be allowed to play. No one with a criminal record. About, <laughs> See, there's your niche. There's there's your niche. Half of the league criminals. You get them from penitentiaries. A very longest yard type type setup. Half of the league uh, guards at those prisons. Now I'm watching. Joe, let's now get I'm Vince watching. on the phone. Let's get him on a. Well, let's get him on a podcast. Let's set the conference call. Vince, Vince, we got some ideas here for the XFL, but right, you know, you, you you act like there's nothing going on from January to July, and you got pitchers and catchers reporting. You got March Madness. You got there. There's Joe, things to do, things to watch that we don't need to watch a team in neon uniforms do group celebrations. You for can first sell downs, me, you like, can or whatever sell me this on is March look Madness. Like. You can sell me on March Madness. You can sell me on you know stretch runs in the NBA and NHL. Please don't tell me that pitchers and catchers are pitchers and something catchers. to watch. Don't let me finish. Let me finish. I love, I love pitchers when they and report. I love it. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> yeah, it, it gets me really excited for baseball season. But uh-huh. in the grand scheme of things, all pitchers and catchers is reporting is telling me that I need to wait a month and a half for baseball. That's true. It, all, That's true. It's, it's, it's a milestone. Just saying, like I'm, spring training's cool, but man, I'm not. I'm not sitting down and watching nine innings, innings of a spring training game. I'm not getting invested into spring training at two o'clock in the afternoon. When some right. guy who's going to be bagging groceries in a week is pitching against the Dodgers for the Sox, I put, on, it, I put it on. I put it on par with XFL football. All right. Well, we'll, we'll agree to disagree there. But right. both might be bagging groceries somewhere in a week. <laughs> At a certain point, I think their their uh, fates collide on that one. Before so. we get too off the rails, Joe, why don't you ask me the last one here? All right, buy or sell, Matt. This is the last Super Bowl we ever get to watch Tom Brady play in. I'm going to sell it. Uh, I, Tom says he's got five years left. I think three is probably more realistic, but you, you, mm-hmm. I wouldn't disagree with him if he thinks he make five. I'm going to say lean more towards three, but I, I don't think as long as he's there and as long as Belichick there, is there that they're ever going to not be the favorites in the AFC, and I don't think they're going to go to the Super Bowl all three of those years, but I think we'll get at least one more out of them. Yeah. That's one more trip. I, I don't know about if he's going to win every time. Win, not, yeah. But I, I don't think this is the last time we'll see him in the big game, Joe. Yeah, I, I agree with you. My only thing that leans me against it is he's losing his OC. He's losing, I, I know the DC doesn't have much uh, much bearing on it, but just the the air, the faces in New England are going to change, and a lot of times it's hard to 
uh, bounce back off of that into another Super Bowl appearance. If anyone can do it, we know who it is. So uh, I think I'm in the same boat as you. Yeah, obviously he's a little bit older now, so maybe that changes things. But he's also very, very familiar and, and knows how to deal with the uh, the transitioning of coaching staff and coordinators. Plus, the way Absolutely. they do it, there it's not like they're bringing an outside hire for a new job. They're just going to promote whoever the quarterback's coach or receivers is, coaches, the offensive coordinator, and it's still pretty much going to be Tom's offense. Yes, it will, and it'll be fun to watch. Matt, uh, we're moving on here to – we got a little mailbag? A little, little mailbag from the if people? I actually asked the mailbag question this week, Joe. Oh, so no. Very got, okay. I'm the people okay. this week. Go, go uh, ahead. I, I, I just want to talk about Super Bowl with you, but I don't want to talk about on-the-field stuff. I, I want to talk about your setup. I want to Ooh. talk about what you're going to be eating. Are you going to be working on Sunday? I'm off this Sunday. So, okay, so. perfect. So am I. What are you going to be, be eating? Uh, Where are you going to be watching? Who are you going to be watching with? How are you going to be watching? How many you know, courses of food are you going to have? Are there going to be a lot of different options? Just tell me about your Super Bowl Sunday, Joe, because I, I you know, think I, that we've had some success with these types of discussions in the past. Oh, always, always. Yeah. I'm, I'm not working, but I might still go into work because our setup in terms of televisions is – Ridiculous. We have a couple massive monitors, and they're doing a potluck. That's actually the real reason that I might go into work and get some stuff done on Super Bowl Sunday and watch the game at work. But if I do stay at home here, it's going to be – there's probably going to be, uh, you know, early morning you either start a chili or a sauce. Uh, you know, I, I feel like slow. I might do yeah. might do a little sauce, you know, get the meat going in the bottom of the pan um, for, for you for you non-Italians. Uh, red sauce. We're talking about red, red marinara. So yeah. get a get a get a gravy going on the stove, and you let that cook all day. You intermittently. It's always important when you're making a sauce. You got to have a loaf of French bread or an Italian roll, something next to the pot that you can intermittently test the sauce. But other than that, usually what I go with is the big coup de grace second half meal there, the chili or the pasta. But leading up to that, it's an all day eating. We got your you got your prosciutto, you got your deli meats, you got your cheeses. Uh, probably a couple bottles of wine, uh, beer. It depends if I'm feeling beer or wine, but either way, you go through you go through a couple of those. Um, nothing just says anything America could, like a like a wine and cheese platter. Anything you could, adventure. anything, but just anything you could pick at, Matt. Just a table full of you know. There's going to be a bowl of uh, of pistachios. There's got to be a bowl of pistachios. Uh, there's going to be pretzels. There's got to be pret- some crackers. Um, I, but you stay savory. Nothing sweet on my Super Bowl spread. I think would be my only rule. You know, you don't throw out like a fourth quarter, like you know, a, a Chex Mix bowl with some M and M's. If I'm there. if maybe I'm hosting, cookies. if I'm hosting, maybe a pie comes out late for Ooh, a post game or something like that. We've gone over this. I feel like a fruit. Yeah, pie, but I already a, forgot. Blueberry pie, an apple pie, a peach pie of that family of pies. Okay. Um, or you come out with a – if you're in Chicago, you know, there's there's never a gathering that doesn't call for Portillo's chocolate cake. So, you know, I'm having, a, I'm having a slice of it's there. But I guess my – in summary, small bowls, a lot of noshing. I think noshing is the key word here. Okay. See, I, I tend – I don't dislike your setup by any means. It's just not what I've okay. gone with usually in the past. Usually I have, you know, the – Smaller stuff kind of sitting out. I'll have some chips, you know, dip, you know, sometimes a meat and cheese tray, you know, something like mm-hmm. that. But for the most part, I'm, I'm going for, I'm usually in order delivery, but I'll order it way ahead of time and you'll tell me the yeah, plan. Yeah. Oh, time. I messed up there. There's got to be pizza. There's got to be like, thank you, at Joe. least a pizza to pick at. Yeah. The, la- the last couple of years we've done uh, Lou Malnati. So we've gone with Big Malnati's pie. And then one of the most underrated things I've ever, th- their wings, the Lou Malnati's wings. Nobody yes, talks about them. Nobody good. gets them. Very good. Some of the best wings I think I've ever had. I think they're fantastically underrated. You go Buffalo or Honey Barbecue, both are fantastic. And that's that. That's you might just be, me. you might just be changing my my plan here because there's a wing stop not far from me. I there might be doing go. wings and pizza. Wings, wings and pizza. pizza. It's, it's it's America, Joe. And then there's because, nothing but, wrong with there's nothing wrong with you know what you got going either. I'm not I'm not. But wings and pizza. Wings and pizza fits on my spread though too yeah. with all just the pick at it yeah. type foods. Oh, maybe I'll, I'll um, grab a I'll but, grab a wing there. But it's got to be thin crust pizza because as it gets cold, it's still got to be edible. I got to be able to eat that pizza from first quarter to fourth. That's fair. Usually, I kind of have my my big pizza meal and then I'll pick it whatever. But when I sit down for the pizza, I'm gonna eat the pizza basically all at one time. If that makes got sense. Got it. Got it. Yeah. No, that's understandable. Mm-hmm. That's very understandable. Yeah. Well, we we know I what we that, want. That's 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 talking that's talking spreads with moose and runes. Speaking of spreads, 
Uh-huh. Joe, uh, another fun part that people like people like about the Super Bowl. Maybe not me as much, you know, because I don't usually dabble in this sort of thing. But um, yeah, prop bets. Uh, you know, a lot of them prop are fun. Bets. You know, you bet on the Super Bowl MVP. You can bet the coin toss, Joe. You ever bet the coin toss? I have not bet the coin toss. The um, color of Gatorade I, being t- I think a couple years ago, the, the a couple coach. years ago, I bet colors of Gatorade. I had an inside source, so I bet color of Gatorade. Who are your sources? I, they wouldn't be my sources if I told you. Well, you could tell me off the air. Okay. Well, we're on the air right now. <laughs> you got any prop bets lined up, Joe? Any any favorites? Anything you're gonna think you're gonna um, on? I think I'm gonna steer clear of of all prop bets. I think I I wait to see before kick if that line moves to four. Um, and if it moves to four, I, I'll probably ride with, with Tom and company. If it moves to three and a half, I'm definitely going with Tom and company. Uh, if it doesn't move, I probably just watch this one as a spectator. Um, the prop bets are fun. I, or no, 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 no. The one I did win on was over under, uh, uh, national anthem over under. That's, what I they was, had you, that you that, that is That's my, my favorite. That's my favorite. That one's a lot um, of fun to watch. Because if you come out there and you see a violin, any string ornament behind the singer, the over the overs hitting. Mm-hmm. You know the overs hitting when we're, when we're going with uh, with violins. You see brass, guitar, my, under under still in play. If you see just singer, under hammer it, hammer I, the that, under. Pink though is so, so she Pink's got that Pink's got a great voice and she can really hit the high note. And sometimes I feel hold like that, that you, might note, get, yeah. you might get a little tempted to hold the high note on the Super Bowl. Joke, oh, wasn't there, stage. wasn't there uh, a double high note um, controversy a couple years back? I think it was a girl couple, said yeah. brave. Yep. Brave. She said yep. brave twice. I, so I, when I, does it was that Lady Gaga? I think it was a couple years ago. It might have been Gaga. Yeah. I think I won the over on Gaga's double brave. That yeah. was huge. That was, that, that was that's, huge. That's got to be exhilarating. <laughs> Also, here, here's oh, a fun one, fun. Joe. Will any scoring drive take less time than it takes Pink to sing the national anthem? Whoa! Now, are so we talking we game clock? Or are we talking like actual clock? That's also like real time yeah. clock. I think game clock probably. I would have to be game clock. Yeah, yeah. I just right. you know. Well, well stay, hey, how about you? Do, how about we all steer clear of prop bets this year? What do you say, guys? Uh, I don't think no? so, Joe. It's, it's no. Too I just heard a resounding no from the Moose and Roots yeah, listeners. No. So. Um, Super Bowl MVP yeah. is also a favorite one of mine. I almost won have, a pick on that a couple of years ago, but didn't. Have fun with those, and like Uncle Joey always tells you, bet within your means. Bet within your means, listeners. listeners. Steven Goskowski, plus 660. Love Kickers. it. Love <laughs> it. <laughs> All right, Matter, you got anything else for the people before no, I No, please just save me from myself. All right, uh, goodbye. Shut it down. Shut it all down. Shut it down. Shut it down. Houston, we have shut down. I've seen enough. Shut it down. All right, Moose and Runes listeners, today I'm going to shut us down. Hold on. I have no idea what I was just about to say. I had an idea and I just completely lost it. Been there. Moose, uh, was it going to shut us down? Let's shut down. Was going to be. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's super goofy, but. Classic. All right, Moose and Runes listeners, uh, the month of January has come to a close here, depending on when you're listening to this, where it's being recorded on January 30th. So I think it's always a good time, one month in, to look back at your month, the month that was. If you had your resolutions and you got away from them, get back to them in February. If you had things you wanted to get done in January and you didn't, get back to them in February. This is a little motivational shutdown from the Moose and Runes podcast. We're rooting for you guys because you root for us. January's behind us, but you got 11 more to go. Let's get after it in 2018, Moose and Runes listeners. Make it the best year yet. That's going to do it for episode 41 of the Moose and Runes podcast. For Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. Keep on listening. Keep on tweeting. Keep on keeping on. We'll talk to you soon. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. (laughs) Chicken on the steak was phenomenal.